0: Amen. Great is His faithfulness. And aren't you thankful this morning for those new mercies that greeted you when you woke up, when you got out of bed, you didn't have to live on yesterday's mercies or borrowed mercies. New mercies greeted you. I don't know about you, but I need new mercy. I'll I'll run out of old mercy. Amen. Listen, it is so good to be back. I appreciate your prayers. I appreciate your encouragement. I appreciate everybody stepping up and Brother Larry and all... Filling in, it's, uh, it's always comforting to know that y'all are in good hands because ultimately y'all are in the Lord's hands. Amen. Amen. Uh, I am uh, recovered and doing better. Uh, still not totally out of the woods just yet, but uh, God laid this message on my heart and uh, I wanted to bring it to you as we continue in our study on Ezekiel, the book of Ezekiel, from judgment to glory, from judgment to glory. So just as a reminder, we're in chapter 3. We're around verse 16 of chapter 3 of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was an Old Testament priest who was called to be a prophet. He was called to be a prophet. The people of Israel, the Israelites, were exiled. They were not living in the nation of Israel. They were exiled out in the desert. They were living out in the Shabar Canal which means they were far from home. They were exiled. And they were not exiled by their own choosing. They weren't on vacation. They didn't go to a resort. <laughs> they were exiled because of their disobedience. They were exiled away from home because they had forsaken God. And God's protection had been removed. And so that's where we, that's where we start when we begin the book of Ezekiel. <clears throat> we start with the people of Israel that are living in exile. And so... Ezekiel is called to be a prophet to warn them and to tell them about what's going on and how to get back. And so that's where we find ourselves in Ezekiel chapter 3 beginning at verse 16. Would you please stand in honor of the reading of God's Word? Ezekiel chapter 3 beginning at verse 16. Now at the end of seven days the word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, I have made you a watchman, a watchman over the house of Israel. When you hear a word from my mouth, give them a warning from me. If I say to the wicked person, you will surely die, but you don't warn him, you don't speak out to warn him about his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person will die for his iniquity. yet I will hold you responsible for his blood. But if you warn a wicked person and he does not turn from his wickedness or his wicked way, he will die for his iniquity, but you will have saved your life. Now if a righteous person turns from his righteousness and practices iniquity and I put a stumbling block in front of him, he will die. If you did not warn him, he will die because of his sin and the righteous acts he did (coughs) will not be remembered. Yet I'll hold you responsible for his blood but if you warn the righteous person that he should not sin and he does not sin he will indeed leave, live because he listened to your warning and you've saved your life then the hand of the lord this is a constant theme of ezekiel then the hand of the lord was on me and he said to me get up go out to the plain and i will speak with you there so i got up went out to the plain, The Lord's glory was present there like the glory I had seen by the Shabar Canal, and I fell face down. The Spirit entered me and set me on my feet. He spoke with me and said, Go, shut yourself inside your house. And you, son of man, they will put ropes on you and bind you with them so you cannot go out among them. I'll make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth, and you will be mute and unable to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious house when I speak with you, I will open your mouth and you will say to them, This is what the Lord says. Let the one who listens, listen. And let the one who refuses, refuse. For they are a rebellious house. Let us pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, we come to you in this time of need where as a nation we need to hear from you. We too have been somewhat exiled. We may still reside in the United States of America, the greatest, freest country on the face of the earth. But if we were all to be good, honest, and transparent, we would admit that this country is not what it used to be, and that many of our values are in exile, many of our morals are in exile, and many people are in exile from you. And so, God, that you would bring about repentance in this nation just as you desire to bring about repentance in the nation of Israel. I pray that the people would listen to the watchman. I pray that the people would listen to the prophet. Heed the warnings. They're all around us. The signs are being fulfilled day after day. God, have your way in this place. Let your presence be so strong and so powerful. Holy Spirit, forgive us of our sins. Remove anything that would hinder a blessing or hinder an answer to prayer or hinder a move of you. To you be all the glory, honor, and praise. Hide me behind the old rugged cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So Ezekiel was a priest, called to be a prophet, and then he's given this name right here, watchman. Watchman. What in the world is a watchman? Well, a watchman is very important. A watchman is one who warns. In fact, in the biblical days, a watchman was like a sentry or a guard who was positioned around the city wall. Now, remember in biblical days, walls and borders were a good thing. Can I get a witness? (laughs) Walls and borders were a good thing. And it protected a city. And and the walls of a city represented the city's strength. And it represented that this city uh, is a fort and cannot be penetrated by enemies and cannot be invaded by enemies. So that wall was very important. Well, not only is the wall important, but the person who watches the wall is just as important. The watchman. The watchman. He would walk up and down and inspect and monitor the walls of the city to make sure that it was secure, to make sure that the city was at peace. You know, of all the inhabitants in the city in the biblical days, they relied on that watchman. They relied on that sentry who would inspect the walls, who would monitor the walls, and who would climb the tower and survey the land and see if anybody was coming. They relied on him. They went about their daily business. They went to the marketplace. They went to the... The temple, they did their daily activities because why? They trusted the watchman would warn them if he saw an enemy on the horizon. What kind of watchman would not tell people, hey, there's an enemy coming. Hey, they're they're, they're in the distance. They're coming our way. A guard, a sentry, a watchman has a duty and you and I have a duty we have a responsibility to warn the people that aren't in church with us today, to warn the people that we work with, to warn the people that you live by, hey, Jesus is coming and you need to get right. Amen. Time is of the essence. The ground is fertile, but the laborers are so few. So a watchman had a very important job. They had responsibility. In fact, if they saw something and they did not warn the people, then the victim's blood would be on their hands. Now, I need to make this practical for you today. If you claim to love your family, if you claim to love your co-workers and your friends, and you don't at least tell them about your personal experience with Jesus Christ, you don't have to debate how many days of creation there were. You don't have to debate... Uh, the, the mid-trib, the post-trib, the, the pre-trib. You don't have to debate with them doctrinal things and and, and Baptist versus Catholic or Methodist. You don't have to get in any of that. But you've got to tell them what Jesus has done for you. Right. And yeah. listen to me. If you claim to love those people, if you claim to love those people and you don't do it, mm-hmm. then listen to what I'm about to tell you. Mm-hmm. Their blood mm-hmm. is on your hands. That's right. Mm-hmm. Because how do you know that you weren't the one person placed in that coworker's life to at least tell them what Jesus is to you? Don't debate. Don't get into doctrine. Don't get into all that. Just share with them what Jesus has done for you. Share with them what Jesus did in your life. Dereliction of duty. Most Christians would be convicted in an instant for dereliction of duty. We're not fulfilling our responsibility as watchmen. We're not fulfilling our responsibility... To warn people, John Frederick Parker was assigned to guard President Abraham Lincoln at Ford Theater. John Frederick Parker showed up three hours late for his shift, and during the intermission of the play, he actually went next door to Ford's Theater to a saloon to have a drink. He just couldn't wait any longer, and he was a little bored. Seated just a few seats away from John Frederick Parker was another John. John Wilkes Booth was sitting in that same saloon having a drink of liquid courage to do what he was about to do. And witnesses say he was seated just five seats away from John Frederick Parker, who was assigned to guard President Abraham Lincoln. John Wilkes Booth finished his drink slammed it on the bar and walked out and very easily walked in, uninhibited, unhindered, right into Ford's Theater, went right up to the balcony because the guard of President Abraham Lincoln was getting drunk next door and John Wilkes Booth went right into that balcony and killed President Abraham Lincoln. John Frederick Parker, the guard assigned that night, was charged with dereliction of duty, but the charges were later dismissed for political purposes. It's interesting to note, three years after Abraham Lincoln was shot and killed, John Frederick Parker, still on the job with the Metropolitan Police Department, was found asleep on duty, and on that day was finally terminated. Some people never learn that we have a responsibility, and yet we're asleep. We're doing something else. We're doing leisure activities and pleasurable things, while eternity hangs in the balance for your neighbors and friends and family. Amen. We're next door having a drink. While you got a lost friend that doesn't know about Jesus, John Frederick Parker. Look at verse twenty-two again of Ezekiel three. <clears throat> verse twenty-two. That theme that I mentioned earlier that keeps coming up again and again and again. Verse twenty-two. Then the hand of the Lord was on me there. We've already seen this mentioned three or four times in the book of Ezekiel, and we're only three chapters into this. The hand of the Lord was on me. The hand of the Lord was on me. The hand of the Lord was on me. Do you understand the difference that that can make in your life? When the hand of the Lord is on you. When the hand of the Lord is on you, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. When the hand of the Lord is on you. Yea, when I get the pink slip from my boss. Mm -hmm. When I get laid off. When my 401k doesn't doesn't do what it's supposed to. When inflation is soaring. When I get the flu. When I get the strep. When I get every virus imaginable. Mm -hmm. Yea, when I go through all that. If the hand of the Lord is on me. It makes all the difference in the world. Mm Amen. Because you're not alone. And he will not forsake you. And he will never leave you. Mm -hmm. People will abandon you. People will abandon you, sometimes by choice, sometimes by death. I've got abandonment issues. My mama died, my sister died, my grandmother died. You know, I just, you get to a point where you're like, if y'all love me, y'all stick around. (laughs) You know? It it hurts, right, when you lose somebody that that you're close to, right? But listen to what I'm about to tell you. Jesus has never, will never abandon you. And when his hand is on you, though you may go through trial, though you may go through jail, though you may go through depression, though you may lose your job, when his hand is on you, it makes all the difference. And it made the difference for Ezekiel. He's in exile. He's a priest. He wants to perform the priestly duties, say a little prayer, bless people, and move on. He doesn't want to be a prophet. He doesn't want to be a watchman because they're not liked by the public. People don't like when you get up in the grill and tell them how the cow eat the cabbage. People don't like when you tell them the truth. Truth is hard to handle. Jack Nicholson was right. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) The hand of the Lord was on him. Ezekiel had experienced the glory before, but notice his reaction this time. He still didn't take it for granted. He falls face down again. He was captivated by the glory of God. I I wonder in your life and in my life, have there been times where you've been in the presence of God and didn't even know it. I'm sure there's been, or I pray, I pray and hope that there's been times where you've been in the presence of God and you felt it. You got the goosebumps, you just felt an overwhelming peace or a warmth or a comfort, right? But what I'm more concerned about is the times we're so busy, we're so distracted, we're next door at the saloon or wherever, and we don't even know that God's presence is right there. That his hand is reaching out for us. Ezekiel is told to go to your house, be isolated, you'll be bound. The people would bind him because they didn't want to hear it. But then God would speak through him and be his mouthpiece. And he says this, let the people who want to hear, hear. That's important for us to listen to today. Let the people who want to hear, hear. There are some people out there that don't want to hear what you had to say. That's, right. that's fine. There's some people out there that, <coughs> that will listen to a message and hear about Jesus, hear about salvation, and, and it, it, the seed will not, uh, <coughs> not come to fruition. That's okay. That's not on me. That's not on you. We need to focus, especially in the days that we're living in with all that's happening in this world, current events, etc., the f- ground is fertile. And now more than ever, that neighbor, that coworker, that friend, that family member may be more receptive to what you have to say than they've ever been. But don't make it a debate. Don't make it about a doctrine or a theology. Make it about Jesus. What has Jesus done in your life? What does he mean to you? Let the one who hears hear. Not everyone with ears can hear. You ever thought about that? Not everyone with eyes sees. Helen Keller is attributed with this quote. The only thing worse than being blind is having sight but no vision. So I'm going to ask you today, can you see? Do you see what's happening in the world around you? Has it touched your heart? Has the conflicts and the wars and the rumors of wars stirred your spirit? Any? You? Has the hostility among people and division and all the stuff going on in the world has it kind of broken you a little bit? Maybe just just a, just a tad. If you have eyes, you would see these things. If you had ears, you would hear these things. I'll never forget there was a crazy movie back in the eighties with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Oh, great. <laughs> and he had these glasses. Yeah. I see some of you shaking your head. Thank you. I don't feel like a geek. <laughs> and he put on these glasses and he would see that not everybody was what you think they are. <laughs> that there was some artificial intelligence and some aliens. But when he would take them off, it would look just like normal people. Smiling, happy. But he put those things on and he would see. You've got to have spiritual glasses. And you've got to see everything through the lens of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. When you read the newspaper, are you looking at it like the book of Revelation? When you you hear what's happening in the news, do you compare it to what the Bible said would happen in the end times? Are you turning earthly, worldly conversations (coughs) in the workplace into spiritual conversations? It's so simple. It is so simple, especially with all that's happening in the world today. Can you see Can you hear? Can you see? Can you hear? Don't be derelict of duty. Be diligent. It's not just the pastor who's the watchman. It's not just the youth minister who's a watchman. It's not just the Sunday school teacher who's a watchman. It's not just the deacon who's a watchman. It's not just the person who's been in Beulah Land for 30 years or 24 years. It's not just that person. That is a watchman. We all, we all are watchmen. So listen to the watchman today. If you don't have Jesus Christ, you will spend eternity in hell. If you do not have Jesus, regardless of how much money you have, regardless of how many friends you have, regardless of how many Facebook posts or followers you have, if you don't have Jesus, you will spend eternity in hell. If you're born again, if you are born again, and you are outside of God's will, you will be exiled. You may not have to leave America like the Israelites had to leave Israel, but you will fill that distance. And it's there to create a want. Dorothy said it best. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. So, you know, you go on a vacation and you love a vacation. You love the beach or the mountains or whatever it is for you, okay? You love it, right? But by about day six or seven, or for some of you day 18, uh, <laughs> you start missing home. There's no pillow like your pillow. There's no bed like your bed, right? So, that want, when you have a relationship with Jesus and you've been born again, okay, but then you go on vacation from church. Mm. You go on vacation from the Lord. You stop having your quiet time and one day turns into one week and one week turns into one month. And you stop having that prayer time other than maybe just an occasional, oh, bless this day. Bless your heart. Bless my co-workers, they're so bad. <laughs> Other than that, that's, that's the, the longevity of your prayer life. And so you're on vacation, right? And all of a sudden, you start feeling that, I miss that. I, I, I miss home. I want to I wanna go back. See, the prodigal thought, oh, I'll take my daddy's earning, my portion of the inheritance, and I'll live like I want to live. I will live like I want to live, I will do everything I've always wanted to do because that's what life says. Carpe diem. Seize the day. I'll seize the day. The son said. And he went out, did all that, chased women, chased money, and found himself among pigs. Now, you may like animals. And you may even like pigs. Megan had a pet pig that was very important to her at one time in her life. (sighs) You may get... You may get a little offended by this, but listen to me. Being in the slop with the pigs is nasty, especially when you just inherited all that money and you have nothing to show for it. Oh, but he got to a point, He's, Oh, my daddy. <coughs> my daddy. I remember what it was like back home, and I miss home. There's no bed like my bed. There's no pillow like my pillow. I've been on vacation long enough. I'm going home. But he didn't know in that moment how he'd be received. And his daddy, day after day, waited on that front porch, looking out at the horizon, wondering, will today be the day my son comes home? Will today be the day that messengers come and tell me my son was found dead? He sat on that front porch day after day. And on that day, I bet he even blinked a few times. He saw in the distance his son coming back home. And you know what the father did? The father jumped up, representing God the father. And the father ran to the son and embraced him and hugged him and said, Welcome home. I've been wondering where you've been. I've been wondering when you'd come back. You see, when you have that vacation from church, when you have that vacation from God, you'll feel that exile and you'll miss what you used to have. And he'll bring you back. The watchman has warned you. Now you are commissioned as watchman. You've been warned from Scripture what happens when God's people are disobedient. Who, who would have thunk it that John Frederick Parker would be a part of history because on a day that he had a grave responsibility to guard the life of the president, that he decided, I'll just go have a drink. And he'll forever be known as someone who was irresponsible, who was drinking when he should have been on duty, if we were to be honest with one another today, we've all got a little John Frederick Parker in us—lazy, most of the time. You may have another excuse, but it all boils down to: I'm just lazy. I don't want to talk to my neighbor. Don't want to talk to my coworker. I don't want to get into spiritual conversations. That's dereliction of duty. We're all watchmen. I don't. Want I don't want blood on these hands because I didn't warn somebody. Mm -hmm. Let's pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, this is a part of the service we call The Invitation where we invite people to respond to the challenge, to respond to the conviction. And so God, I'm going to ask today that you get real serious with some folks. That you would speak into our hearts about our own prayer life, our own devotional life, our own commitment to this church, our commitment to praying and talking to our neighbors and co-workers and friends and family. If we're not the one who's going to share it with them, who? And if not now, when? These are the end of days and the signs are all around us and yet we just put it off, put it off, put it off. We don't want to be John Frederick Parker. We don't want to be Involved in leisure activities when eternity hangs in the balance. And so God, I'm asking right now for watchmen to rise up. People to take on some responsibility and start talking about Jesus. Start turning secular conversations into spiritual conversations. Start finding a way to open a door and talk about what Jesus has done for you. Start warning people and take telling people, hey, the time is now. There may be someone here today that needs to respond to the watchman. The watchman has warned them that apart from a relationship with Jesus Christ, they will spend eternity in hell. I pray for that person that thinks they can save themselves. I pray for that person that thinks sitting in a church will save them. They need Jesus. They don't need a denomination. They need Jesus. Help them to turn away from pride and turn to Jesus. This altar will be open for people to pray about being a watchman, about warning people. You can make your seat right there an altar. You need to do business with God during this invitation. He laid this message on my heart for a reason. He wants us to go through the book of Ezekiel for a reason. Time <coughs> is of the essence. No more playing games. Lord, do a work as only you can do. Don't let there be any distractions or hindrances to the movement of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?